you are looking at the finest specimen of exercise innovation in human history. Crafted from space-grade aluminium, packed with cutting-edge technology, it has everything you didn't even know you needed. Diamond Grip Surface for superior traction, real-time heart rate monitoring, voice-activated entertainment console, and our patent-pending Cloud9 suspension system that will make you feel like you're running on air. Plus, this versatile catch-all surface allows it to be transformed into open-concept storage. The sturdy arm rails are perfect for a standard coat hanger, and there's enough surface space to air dry an average load of laundry, while doubling as a small child's jungle gym. With a variety of color options to match your home, it blends in so well, you'll forget it's even there. In fact, it's so spectacular, you won't even want to use it at all. Yep. <laughs> so I thought we'd start out this morning with a little confession time. Anybody else in the room ever bought a piece of exercise equipment that became a coat hanger, clothes dryer, or jungle gym for the kids or storage unit? Nice and high, people. Come on, I need to know that I am not alone. Okay, thank you so much. Crazy thing is, you did not set out to do that, right? We buy these things because we believe that they are going to help us. We buy these things because we believe they're gonna get us into shape. We buy these things because we believe that they are going to help us lose some weight. We believe all of those things, but it's not be believing that makes the difference, it's the doing that makes the difference. Would y'all agree? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna do a little personal confession time here. So New Year's resolutions, Pastor Brian mentioned that. So one of mine was to get healthier and to get into shape and start working out. I have a really great excuse. I hate working out alone. It's boring. And so, yeah, so I've not been doing it. Now I do walk and so that's something, right? But I could be doing better. Um, but what I find is it's really easy to wake up in the morning and talk myself out of working out. But it's really hard when there are other people waiting for me at the gym, right? The times in my life when I have done really well with this is when I've had accountability partners and I've had friends that were on the journey with me. So doing makes a difference and accountability counts. Would you agree? Yeah. And those same two principles apply to our faith journey as well. It is really, I find it, to be really easy to believe in Jesus. Really easy. I mean, what's not to love about Jesus, right? Jesus was incredible. He walked on this earth. He performed miracles. He loved the unlovable. He touched the untouchable. He was incredible. And then he predicted that he would die, and three days later, he would be raised from the dead. And it actually happened. And there are eyewitness accounts that that actually happened. Not just in the Bible, but it's in history books, right? I mean, crazy. And so it's easy to believe in Jesus, but Jesus didn't say, come and believe in me. What did he say? Come, follow me. Not so easy to follow Jesus day in and day out, is it? Easy to be a Christian on a Sunday morning, put on your, you know, your Sunday best and your Sunday smile and come into church. Easy to be a Christian. But it's Sunday afternoon and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and the rest of the week where it's not so easy to live out this faith thing. 
but it is the doing that makes the difference. And it is almost impossible to do those things alone. We were not created to live in isolation. We were created to be in community by the God of community, right? I mean, think about it. God, the creator of the universe, is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Well, because right at the very beginning of the Bible, chapter one in the book of Genesis, God says, it's not good for man to be alone. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Let us, the community of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, creating us for community. We were meant to be in community with one another. One of my favorite communities is the running community. And and not because I run. Let me just, again, more confessions. Actually, my opinion is that I am not going to run unless someone is chasing me. I'm running for my life because they have a weapon, right? So it's like not happening. But my sister took up running a number of years ago and I thought she was nuts. And she just started with a 5K and then she kind of was like, this is amazing. And then she did a half marathon and then she did a marathon and this is a 50K. So then she became an ultra athlete, right? Did a 50K and that's her, her, her and her friend Jess running the finish line. And then this was a 100-mile relay in the Florida Keys that she did with her crew, um, or with her running crew. And this one here, well, this one, I was convinced she was going to die (laughs) because she was invited to do a 100-mile race in Florida. Crazy, right? Yeah, she she really is. Um, But she did that, and that was her crew of people that were with her throughout every leg of the race, taking care of her. And then this picture right here, well this was, uh, these are my friends Linda Evers and Rochelle Owens, and Linda Evers was um, participating in a 5K, and so she said, Christine, you're gonna do this with us, right? It's for the American Heart Association. And I was like, you don't say no to Linda Evers if you know Linda Evers, and so yes, Linda, I'm going to do my first 5K but I'm not going to run. I will walk briskly, but I am not going to run. And she said, well, I'm not gonna run either. So it was perfect, we had a blast. And at the end of that 5K, I called my sister and I said, I get it. I see what happened to you. Because the atmosphere was electric. How many of you run? Anyone run marathons? Yeah, Steve, triathlete on the worship team, like crazy, right? What I found was the atmosphere was so incredibly encouraging. I mean, around every turn, someone was cheering for us, holding up signs, handing us water bottles. You can do it. Come on. This is amazing. Don't quit. Don't give up. And I walked away thinking, I wish every follower of Jesus had this kind of community, had a crew like this to encourage them and inspire them. And when they felt like quitting, they to not give up. And man, I want that so badly for every one of you. It's actually why we do group link. Because we feel, we believe that community is so important and everyone needs their crew. You know, the, the, this picture right here was actually a week after, this was a few months ago. My sister, it's a week after my sister was diagnosed with colon cancer. 
And she ran a marathon a week later and she posted a picture on Facebook and it said, um, when life, or sorry, when life gives you lemons, yeah, run a marathon. That's her, she's incredible. And so she had to have surgery to have the very large tumor removed and I went down to Florida to be with her uh, for several days in the hospital and her running crew, that's when I really saw what the running community was made of. That's what I, when I really saw just how incredible her people um, are. These are a bunch of them that showed up to the hospital. Um, they didn't show up like that. But um, <laughs> that was a Halloween marathon that they did. And, um, but a bunch of these people showed up in her hospital room day after day. And sometimes the room was so full, like I would have to go for a walk because I was like, it was so overwhelming. The love and the outpouring, the prayers, the encouragement, the flowers. They've raised almost $15,000 for her in a matter of days. And that's when I really said, man, what if every follower of Jesus had that kind of crew? And it's possible. We can be that for one another. You know, it's interesting. A couple times in the Bible, Paul and then the writer of Hebrews actually compares life and our faith journey to a race. And think about it. It's very true, isn't it? It's actually more of a, an ultra marathon when you think about it, right? Because we're all in a race toward holiness. We're all in a race to look more and act more like Jesus and be more like Jesus every single day. That's the end result, right? Like that's what, we just wanna be like Jesus because Jesus is incredible. And people want it to be around Jesus all the time. And so in Hebrews, if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, and then in just a couple of minutes, we're gonna actually skip back to Hebrews chapter 11. But let's start in 12, verses one through three. He says, let us, there it is, right from the very beginning. Again, that word us, right? Together, throw off everything that hinders, everything that distracts us, and the sin that so easily entangles all of us. And let us together run this marathon with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So he's saying, God has this race marked out for us. And he's given us everything that we need to get through the finish line, hands raised high in victory. He's given us all of that. But he doesn't want us, it's not even possible to do alone. When I think about it, so life is a marathon, not a sprint. You've probably heard that, that saying before, right? Our faith journey is a marathon and not a sprint. Because sprints, I mean, they're like straight and it's flat and it's predictable and that's nothing like life. No one's allowed to enter your lane, right? Nothing like life or your faith journey. But an ultra marathon, that's unpredictable. The weather is unpredictable. The terrain is unpredictable. Sometimes it's rocky. Sometimes it's rough. There are ups and there are downs. Sometimes there's people that are there to help you. And sometimes there's people, there are people there to push you down. You have to learn to conserve your energy. You have to learn how to overcome the negative self-talk in the mind. Runners often say that your body quits before your mind does because your mind can actually defeat you. Your body's doing totally fine. Your legs feel great, you feel strong, and your mind says, quit, 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 you can't do it. Sounds like life, doesn't it? 
There are highs and there are lows. There are seasons where it's hard. There are people in our life that wanna help us and then sometimes there are people that try to push us down. And we need to learn how to rest and Sabbath and just be before we ever do. And that negative self-talk, it's hard. When the author talks about running with perseverance the race marked out for us and fixing our eyes on Jesus, that's not so easy when the weight of life and the burdens of life sometimes weigh us down. And it's certainly not easy to do in isolation. And so that is why we do group link. That's why we take days like this to say, we wanna help you find your crew. We wanna help you find a crew of people that will help you to persevere, that will help you to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And it's not because that's what we want for you, but we believe that that's what God wants for you. And some of you might be new and you're thinking, what is this group thing? What are you even talking about? So GT groups are a group of maybe 10 or 12 people that get together on a consistent basis, maybe two, sometimes three, four times a month, and they meet together and they eat together and they pray together and they wrestle with God's word together and they learn and they grow together and they do life together. It's pretty incredible. It's what God intended for us to be and for us to do. And we have men's groups and women's groups and support groups celebrate recovery for people struggling with addictions or family members of people who are struggling with addictions. We have co-ed groups, we have young adult groups. We have literally, guys, there's no excuse. There's literally something for everyone. And why do we do this? Because we believe with all of our hearts that faith comes alive in community. That discipleship happens best in relationships. Faith comes alive in community. Let's now skip back a couple of chapters. And let's talk about, let's see what the writer of Hebrews has to say in chapter 10. And we're gonna look at verses 22 through 25. I believe this is kind of the instructions he's giving us. Like, how do we do that? How do we run with perseverance? How do we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? So he starts by saying, again, let us together, draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And I just wanna pause right there because when I read those verses, something just kinda like stirred in my heart and I thought, you know what, there's somebody here today and probably more than one person here today who maybe struggles with this guilty conscience thing. Maybe you've thought to yourself, can God ever forgive me? Or maybe you've said to yourself, God can never forgive me. And if you knew what I did, you would understand, I can never be forgiven for the things that I've done. And I just wanna take this moment to say, that is a lie from the enemy. Because God's grace and mercy and love is boundless. It has no end. There is nothing you can ever do. It doesn't matter how far you run. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can never, ever, ever outrun the love of God. He is good and he is faithful. And so the author is saying, draw near to God. And remember that you are forgiven, that you have a clean slate. And then he says, let us together hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. He's saying, hold on tight. 
to the faithfulness of God because he is faithful. In this ultra marathon that we're running, this race that we're running, the ups and the downs, he promises that he will never leave us and he will never, ever forsake us. He is faithful. And then he goes on to say, and let us together consider That means to give careful attention to, to look into, to explore, to contemplate. And my prayer today is that you are all contemplating, how can I be more a part of the community of God? Let us consider, consider what? How we may spur one another on. Before I go any further, I just want you to notice something that happened. The author started with, it's my relationship with God, right? It's me and God. Cling to God, cling to his promises. He's faithful, just about me and him. And then, because what did Jesus say? Two greatest commandments, love God and love one another. And that's what the author does here. He says, now it goes to this one another thing. He says, consider how we may spur one another on. So it goes from the invisible and the intangible to the doable and the highly relational. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, towards doing, right? Not just believing, but doing, putting our faith in action. This is actually getting on that treadmill and turning it on, taking the clothes off first, turning it on and working up a sweat, right? This is the doing part of following Jesus. This is the sacrificial giving. This is the forgiving people when you do not feel like they deserve to be forgiven. This is the loving people who look different than you or act different than you or vote different than you. This is the actually putting into practice our faith. The doing, belief in action. Doing makes the difference. But chances are, if you're not in community with other followers of Jesus, you're not gonna do a whole lot for very long anyway. Then he goes on to say, so he says, do this, spur one another on toward loving good deeds, but don't do this. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So that is actually saying that there was a time when the audience that he was writing to, there was a time where they were living out their faith in community and then they had stopped. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't miss out. And if I could for just a minute, Just address our online audience. If you are watching from far away or you're not able to physically be in this building, I am so thankful for GT Live. I am so thankful for the opportunity that you have to be a part of our community. But can I just say for those of you who are sitting at home right now and you're watching and you can be with us, we need you. We want you to be here with us because we're better together. And as your pastor, I'm just gonna plead with you, don't stop meeting together. Come back and be a part of this incredible community of believers. Because again, we need you. You're a part of the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We need one another. So let's not stop meeting together. There's a divine correlation between community and faithfulness. It's God's design. Not just sitting in rows, but being in circles, being in community with other believers. Please don't be a lone ranger. What starts to happen is if you isolate yourself from the body of Christ, you begin to feel isolated from the Father. And when you abandon community, 
there's a very big chance that you will eventually abandon your faith. You begin to drift. And we need to come back. Come back to the heart of God because faith comes alive in community. I've been doing a lot of research lately about, um, because it's one of the things that breaks my heart is when I hear the statistics of loneliness and depression and suicide in our country and in our world. And so I've just been really trying to learn as much as I can so that I can figure out how I can be a part of the solution and how we can be a part of the solution. So crazy thing is, technology has made it possible for us to never, ever, ever in the history of mankind to be more connected. Yet we are more isolated than we have ever been. We are more lonely than we have ever been. Social media gives us the illusion that we are connected. And then what we do is we sit on social media and we scroll and we watch everyone else's highlight reels and we think, look at all the friends they have because it's the combined highlight reels. You're not looking at one person's highlight reels, but your brain doesn't recognize that. Your brain just sees all of these people living their best life and then there's you. So you step away a little bit and you begin to isolate yourself a little bit more and you begin that negative self-talk. You don't have any friends. Nobody cares about you. Nobody, right? And that leads to loneliness, which leads to depression, which leads to sometimes despair. And that's why I know so many of you in this room have been touched by suicide. And so, and sometimes we feel so helpless, but I wanna encourage you that we're actually not helpless because depression actually doesn't lead to suicide. It's despair that leads to suicide. It's when people feel like they are alone and they have no one else and they are isolated and nobody cares and they have no hope. And so when we are in community together, that's how we inspire hope into people's lives. That's how we are able to be a part of the solution because we help people to feel seen and to feel felt. We're able to hold people in their pain and say, I see you. And to remind them again, fix your eyes on Jesus. We're, to, we're, together, we're in this together. That's powerful. That's what God intended for the body of Christ. In the first century, it was pretty incredible because you had all these people that were gathering together in these little ecclesias, right? You had men and women and slaves and slave owners and children and all of these people that would just get together in these little ecclesias that were little gatherings, church gatherings that look a lot like our GT groups. And they prayed for one another and they loved one another and they did life together and they worked out some things together. Pretty incredible. And I think that's why the writer of Hebrews was saying, what are you thinking? Don't stop meeting together. Get together, encourage one another. Because this whole one another thing is what the body of Christ is supposed to do. We're not meant to do faith in solo. We're meant to do this thing. It's a one another thing. It's not a solo thing. Faith is actually a we thing, not a me thing. So please don't try to go it alone. And then the author of Hebrews continues in verse 25 and he says, don't give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing, but... There's the contrast, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging one another. Do you know what the word encourage means? Encourage means to instill hope in someone. We're all capable of that. 
to instill hope in someone. Why? Because it takes courage to live out your faith at work, doesn't it? It takes courage to live out your faith in your neighborhood. It takes courage to live out your faith in school. It takes courage to stand up for what is right. It takes courage to say, I'm not gonna be a part of gossip. It takes courage to work those faith muscles, to live the Jesus way, the life that he intended for us to live. So let's put all the verses together now. Let us, talking to us, hold unswervingly, so hold on tight, to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In other words, God's doing his part. He's always done his part. He always will do his part. He is faithful. So what's our part? Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. See, God has a role, but we also have a role. We're all a part of the body of Christ. And he says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. We need each other. And if I could just also for a moment, one of the things that I've been learning when it comes to loneliness and depression and despair and suicide, one of the things that broke my heart the most is that the growing, the largest growing demographic of people who are committing suicide right now are kids between the ages of 10 and 14 years of age. That should not be. And so if you are a parent of a child or a teenager, I implore you, bring your kids to church on Sunday mornings. Because what happens in kids' ministry and student ministry is life-saving, not just life-changing. We have a team of volunteers, and some of you are in this room, and I am so thankful for you. You're the greatest gift we give to parents and to our community because you speak life into our kids and our students. Our kids are in small groups every single week. They hear a message, they get together, and they talk about how they can live it out and they have a community around them every week. Positive peer pressure. A leader who is instilling the, the same values you're instilling at home, they're instilling and reinforcing in your kids every Sunday morning. And maybe for some of you, you were like me when I first started coming to the church, I didn't even know what faith values were. To, and then to know that somebody week in and week out was, were pouring into my kids when I didn't even know how, and if you know people with kids, encourage them to come and be a part of this because the world, the church is the hope of the world. Jesus Christ lives in each one of us and each one of us have the potential to impact somebody else's life. Sorry, a little bit of a, um, ugh. I wanna wrap up by telling you one more story. My sister's friend, Will, uh, was, in, was invited in July of 2018 to be, to participate in an ultra marathon called Badwater. It is a 135 mile race through Death Valley, California. Yeah, and so I thought that rather than me trying to describe it because I wasn't there and I would never do it, I'm gonna just, I found this real short video clip so you can get a feel for what I'm talking about. 
When you think of extreme environments, what makes an environment extreme? Is it the heat, terrain, or something else? What makes an ultra race the toughest in the world? When you think of tough environments, California's Death Valley is at the top of the list. This remote area lacks water, vegetation. The midday sun beats down on the vast open desert, raising summertime temperatures well into the 120s. So it makes sense that the toughest athletes in the world would want to come here to prove themselves on a race route like no other. Anyone want to sign up for that? Crazy, right? And there's only, they only allow 100 people every year to participate. And there's a list of people that just want to be a part of this. Crazy, 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 right? I mean, this picture right here says stop. My sister took this picture. Extreme hate, heat danger. Walking after 10 a.m., not recommend it. Yet they're doing an ultra marathon. Okay, so you figure that out. This next picture here is a picture of the gauge of the asphalt. So 100 and get up, the asphalt got up to 168 degrees. They had to bring multiple pairs of shoes because the soles of their shoes melted. Yeah, right? She said that they started the race. So my sister was there, by the way. I forgot to tell you this part. So she went with him. She was part of his crew. She was actually his crew chief. And there were um, several other people that were there to be a part of his crew. And she said that there were times, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought, when she talked about the heat, temperature. Oh, when they started the race, it was at 8 p.m. And it was 110 degrees. Yeah. And then in the scorching sun in the day then, it was 130 degrees. Will ran for 47 hours and 10 minutes. And this was the crew that essentially he brought with him to keep him alive, both physically and mentally. Right? I mean, think about it. They, had to, they made sure that he was eating and drinking and staying cool and that he was safe. This picture here is my sister pacing him. Um, and then this one here is she's behind him with a cold, with ice water in a bottle and she is just spraying him down. At one point she said that he told her that he felt like his brain was literally on fire. Crazy. And he finished, which is, he's my hero. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. But can you imagine for just one minute doing that without a crew? Even more crazy, right? Crazy and dangerous. And you know what I think? I think the writer of Hebrews was saying, it's just as crazy and just as dangerous for us to try to do this faith journey alone, in isolation. Why would we? Why would we? And so, who's your crew? Who are your 2 a.m. friends? Who are the people in your life that believe in Jesus and believe in you? Who has permission to speak into your life? Who has permission to say the hard things when nobody else will? Are you consistently putting yourself in an environment where those things are even possible? I love our groups here. I hear stories all of the time. Groups right now just rallying around people that have cancer and they're going to chemo treatments and they're cleaning their house and they're bringing them meals and they're showing up in the middle of, night, of the night. It's like, that's family, right? 
I had someone say to me in the hallway, I love my group because um, my mother-in-law is really struggling right now. She just had surgery. And so at 11 o'clock last night, I just texted my crew. And I said, hey, will you just pray for Rose? Because for just a peaceful night's sleep and every single one of them responded immediately. I love that on Friday night, I met with my group and we got to wrestle with one another. We got to wrestle with God's word together. You know, spur means to actually, when it talks about spurring one other on, the word spur means to actually irritate and provoke and all of those things. And I think you would all agree that sometimes being in community with other people is messy, right? But you know what? It's supposed to be messy. I heard somebody once say the cross was messy. But it doesn't mean, like Jesus didn't back away from that. So let's not back away from community because people are messy. Let's just embrace the mess. Let's get on in there and let's do life together. Let's actually be the body of Christ and do this one another thing. So have you given up meeting together? Maybe you've never even started, right? Maybe this, is, this group thing is totally new to you. I remember when I first started coming to church and most of my life ex- church experience was every once in a while I would feel guilty and I would go to church and I would sit there and I would kind of daydream and sometimes even nod off because it wasn't this church, by the way. Um, and it was just like, ah. Eh. And then every once in a while I'd go back and I'd do it again and I'd check that box. I had no idea. I wish someone had said to me that circles are so much better than rows. I wish someone had invited me into a community of believers so that I could experience what I get to experience now. A safe place with a couple of people that, man, we can talk about anything. And we're there for each other. Ups, downs, highs, lows, all the crazy ultra marathon parts of life. It's powerful. It's life changing. And we want that for you. So I read a quote um, a little while ago, and when I saw this next picture, it made me, it reminded me of the quote, and so I thought I'd share it with all of you and kind of close with this. This is a picture of Death Valley uh, that my sister took while she was there. And this quote is from Peter Enns. He's a Bible scholar and theologian, and listen to what he says about the Bible, because um, Interesting. When I first started following Jesus, when I first started to believe, to believe, you know, put my faith in Jesus, and I got around a bunch of you people, those of you who have been Christians for a long time, and you would say to me, here's the Bible, all the answers, basic instruction before leaving earth, you know, it's read the Bible, and that's, it's everything you want to know is in there, and I have to be honest and tell you that when I would open up the Bible, sometimes I had more questions than answers. And sometimes I was more confused and frustrated than ever because I didn't even know what to do with it. And now that I have and have had for so many years a safe place to kind of like open it up with people together and say, what does this even mean? How do I even begin to apply this to my life? Or guys, truth, I'm having a hard time applying this to my life. I need some accountability here. Faith comes alive in community. We come alive in community. But listen to this when Peter talks about the Bible. He says, the Bible is a land we get to know by hiking through it and exploring its many paths and terrains. This land is both exciting and inspiring, but also odd and unfamiliar. And it points unsettling. And then he goes on to say that the Bible isn't a rule book. 
but an invitation to wrestle out our faith in real time. Think about it. Our faith journey is both exciting and inspiring, but also odd and unfamiliar and at times unsettling. But we need each other. We need each other. We need to inspire hope into one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to help one another keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and the best way to do that is in community. Church is great, but sitting in a row will honestly only get you so far. So what are you waiting for? We want this for you. Authentic faith comes alive in community. So maybe some of you are in a group and you're saying, yes, I have my crew and I love it. I'm gonna encourage you and actually ask you to consider how you may spur one another on toward greater love and greater deeds. And maybe some of you are a part of a group, but you're not so consistent in that group. I'm gonna ask you to consider and encourage you to consider that you maybe look at your life a little bit and maybe see if you can reprioritize some things to make meeting together more of a priority. But for some of you, you've never experienced group life. So today is your day. And I'm gonna ask Tony Roman to come out. She's our new groups director. Can we give it up for Tony, guys? Good morning. And she's gonna give us a little bit of instructions for yes. group link, and then you're gonna pray us on out, right? I am. All right, I am, take yes. it away. Oh my goodness. So that was such an incredible message. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Pastor Christine, for just reminding us, you know, how God created us, the body of Christ, you know? I mean, Let's think about that for a second, church. You know, the body. I am no doctor by any means of the stretch of the imagination. But when we think about the body, right, I feel like, you know, body parts can't really function to its full capacity unless it's come it's connected to the rest of the body, right? And then that heart has to pump blood and life through it all. And so is the same as the body of Christ. Guys, we can't experience the fullness of what God has for us unless we're connected to the rest of the body. And then none of it matters unless we have the heartbeat of God speaking through it all. You know, Pastor Christine, she spoke about her sister's crew, how they encouraged her and supported her and they lifted her up during one of the most difficult moments in her life. Guys, isn't it so amazing that at this moment, we have a church full of crews, but what we call life groups, that are just waiting for us to be a part of so that we can experience that same type of community. Guys, it's Group Lake Sunday. And I just can't. I'm so excited for today and for you guys and for what God has in store for you all. So, you know, we have life group leaders. We have our tents and our, you know, tables out there with life group leaders that are just waiting to meet you all. And speaking of that, if you are a GT life group leader and you are going to be participating in Group League this morning, would you mind just standing up and heading on out to your table to be able to receive the church in a couple minutes? And so while our GT group leaders are standing up and heading on out, why don't we give them a round of applause for doing what they do because honestly they are just so vital to the ministry of GT we honestly can't do what we do without them all right so we heard that it's not so much about the believing that makes the difference it's the doing so we are going to take action right now we're going to activate our faith we're going to take a couple action steps so that we can show God we don't want to just be a hearer of what you have to say God we want to do what you have to say so all right listen the first action step that we're going to do is pull out your pamphlet that you received earlier today so yeah go ahead guys that's an action step pull it out and what we're going to do we're going to look 
at all of the groups and classes that we have available to you today. So, you know, um, we have our starting point in financial peace and all that good stuff. So when you see one that piques your interest, go out, talk to the life group leaders and get to know them. You know, they're super nice. And then for today only, we're going to have the opportunity to text to join that group. Okay, so listen, the second action that I want you guys to do is to pull out your phone. Like for real, pull it out. Can I see them? They always joke on me because I'm a Samsung chick, but I love my Samsung. <laughs> so yeah, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna add this number to our phone so that when we're ready to join our group, we can have this number ready to go. So pull up your phone, open up like you're gonna add a new contact, and I want you to dial that number. So it's 484 333-4837. And then you're going to save it under the name GT Connect. You're going to use that in the future for church, but we're going to use that for today to join a group. All right? So I know some of you may be saying, all right, Tony, I'm going to join a group today, but is this like a forever thing? And let me just reassure you, it's not. It's not a forever thing. But if you want to get a taste of what it's like to be a part of a GT group, we do have some shorter options available to you. So I just want to point those out to you. So we have under classes and core groups, that's where you're going to see those options. So we have our couples class. We have our parenting. We have Financial Peace University. And then we have follow and starting point. And I just want to highlight those really quickly. Follow is an eight-week class where we go over the seven attributes of being a fully devoted follower of Christ based off of Pastor Brian's book, Follow. So what that means basically is that, you know, like Pastor Christine mentioned, it's super easy to be a Christian here on a Sunday morning, but on a Thursday night stuck in rush hour traffic when we just want to get home, not so much, right? So that's going to teach us the practicals and the tangibles of how to really live this out day in and day out. So that's an eight-week course for you that you can uh, take advantage of. We also have Starting Point, and that's for those of us that, you know what, maybe we just don't know what we believe, you know, or we're just exploring this whole thing of faith, or maybe we just recently made the decision to follow Christ, but we have absolutely no idea what we just signed up for. We sincerely believe that church is the place where you can bring those questions and those doubts in a judgment-free zone and really go into that. So starting point is for you, and that's another option for you guys, okay? You, if you are interested in those classes, you'd be able to, after we're released, go over there um, to where Frank is and uh, go ahead and check out those classes. Guys, this is the moment. This is not a drill. This is the time for us to take action. We don't want to just be hearers, guys. We want to be able to take advantage of the moments that God gives us to step into it. Just take that next step, that step of faith and say, you know what? I really want to experience more of what God, God has for me. So what we're going to do, guys, now before I pray and release you guys, I just want to implore you just really, just really think about it and let's go join a group. All right? So guys, let's pray really quickly. Lord God, I just want to thank you for everything that you have in store for us, for everything that you have created and everything that you have set in its past since the beginning of time. So Father, I just want to thank you because you have created this perfect moment for all of us to join your body of Christ and to learn and to seek you more, Father. Thank you that you've created this time that we can link up with other believers walking towards you. So Father, I just ask you that you ignite in us, that you align our sight to the exact group, the exact class that you want us to join, Father God, so that in the end, with other brothers and sisters of Christ, Father, that we can lift you up as we walk towards you, Father. We give you all the glory and we give you all the honor for what you're about to do in our lives as we partake in, in community and being part of the body of Christ. And in Jesus' holy and mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. All right, guys, I race you to the atrium. I'll meet you guys out there. Join your group. <laughs>